I do want to say thank you so much, guys, this morning for just tuning in. And I recognize that for some of you, you're at home and this is a really difficult and a different season. And so I just want to take a minute. We want to acknowledge that. And, and right now in your space, in your lounge room, your kitchen, wherever you find yourself, can I just encourage you, put your hands open up. Open them up to heaven. Just take a minute and close your eyes and breathe in and breathe out and breathe in and breathe out. And just, just know that God is with you. Just clear your minds from, from the stresses and the distractions. Just take a minute. depth of your being, know it in every area, every aspect, every atom of your life, every fiber of your physical body, feel His love over you right now. I just believe that even though you might not be here in this church, you can sense His presence. You can sense His presence right where you are. There's a thickness and a heaviness right where you are, where you know that you know that you know that God is in your house. I want to bless you. The Bible says we're two or more are gathered. We're gathered. And you might be gathered around the screen, but you are gathered with a hundred other people this morning from all different areas that are gathering together to pray, to praise, to worship, and to come into His presence. You're here. Take this time. It's a sacred, sacred moment. May the Lord richly bless you. Let's get into the sermon this morning. We have been talking over the last few weeks, and we've covered a lot of ground. I'm going to say thank you to the team. Um, we're just going to say thank you, guys. We're going to get straight into it. We've been talking over the last few weeks. We've covered a lot of ground. As we ask the question, why church? Why do I go to church? Do I need to go to church? Is church important? Is it still relevant? Is it still important today? And it's so funny that some of you are sitting at home and you're like, we're at home and we're doing a series on why church. That's because when we can gather together again, I'm believing this place will not be big enough to contain everybody. I'm believing that God will bring people across the nation, across Jimboomba, right over this place and bring them together and gather them together in such a powerful place for connection and for unity. And I believe that there's going to be a strengthening in the spirit. I believe that some of those who have fallen away are fallen away and that's part of God's design and part of God's plan, but those who are being drawn are being drawn, and I'm believing right now that church still matters, and that gathering still matters, and connection still matters. I'm not sure if we have the picture, but over the last few weeks, we've been putting this picture up, and we've been talking about why church, and, and I want to say to you this morning, perception is everything, how you perceive yourself, how you perceive others, and how you perceive church. Perception is everything, and some of us are like this. We, we kind of had this concept where, where, you know, all we can see is the problem, and this problem is held so close, and it consumes us, and we can't see anything else, and we can't do anything else, and it just totally consumes our whole focus and our whole life, and I want to say sometimes. Sometimes all we need to do is just take a little bit of a step back. 
Take a step back and believe that God wants to do something different, something different in your life and in this place. God wants to help you to walk with him in a way that you've never walked before. Last week we shared and we said some people think, oh, it's just a question about why church, but I believe this goes beyond why church. This goes beyond just the here and now. It goes beyond just the why do we gather on a Sunday. It goes to your business. It goes to your marriage. It goes to your finances. It goes to your family. Sometimes we just need to pull back and we need to ask God to help us change our perception, help us to change our focus, help us to see things a little bit differently. And so last week we talked about why church. We didn't just talk about why globally, but why JC? And we talked about from Isaiah 54, we're not going to put it up just yet, but we will in a moment. But we talked about Isaiah 54 and we said, a JC family, our vision is to be a large, healthy, vibrant family church. Five different distinctives that I believe make this church incredibly special, incredibly significant and unique in this area. Large, healthy, vibrant family and church. These five distinctives. And I see this picture in prophetic words from Isaiah the prophet in verse, in chapter 54, verse 1, right through to verse 3. He says, Sing, O barren, you who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child, for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stake. For you shall expand to the left hand and to the right hand, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited at JC family. Our vision is to be a large, healthy, vibrant family church. And my prayer is that you could get aboard this vision. You could join in with this vision. There's vision big enough for you to be a part of it. And we're going to just touch quickly, briefly on last week. We said, last week, he said, stretch out the curtains of your dwelling. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. And we will said, we will never be large We will never be large numerically. We will never be large in our influence in the world until we are first of all large in our hearts. And some of us need to stretch out our hearts. We need to make room for other people, to embrace others, to actually go out of our way to make others feel at home and loved. I want to ask you a question this morning. Maybe you're sitting at home and you're watching, but I want to ask you, when people come to know Jesus, are you still excited? When people who have been far away return home to the love of the Father, does it still do something in your spirit? Do you still get excited about what God's doing? When people are drawn into the gathering, to the brethren, as we gather and assemble ourselves together, does something stir in your spirit? And if not, can I say that maybe we need to take some time and say, God, give me a heart that burns with passion for people like your heart burnt with a passion for people. For me, I love it when I see people coming in. I love it when I see new people coming in. I love it when I see the old people returning. I love it when I see everybody gathered together on a Sunday. But you know what I dislike? What I struggle sometimes is when I, when I look across and I see people feeling isolated. When I see people feeling alone, when I see people feeling like nobody's valuing them and nobody's gathering them. So I've got a couple of questions. Number one, do you still get excited when God brings people to the church? Number two, are you ready? Are you praying for somebody right now, today, in your own life, a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a shopkeeper, who knows? Is there somebody that you're praying 
God, I want them to know your love. I want them to know how much you value them. I want them to know your grace and mercy in their life. Is there somebody that you can cause and call to your mind right now? Now, I'm going to ask you a second question. If they were to walk into the church next week, how would you feel? How would you want to see them treated? If they walked in through the doors of the church next weekend, they sat in the church on the front row, how would you want people to treat them? What would you want them to say to them? Would you want them to invite them to the cafe? Would you want people to gather around them and say, hey, come, I want to buy you a cup of coffee or get you a cup of tea at the cafe? Would you want them to take them out and show them around, introduce them, help them know where the facilities are? Would you want to invite them to a table? We have this picture in our mind. If I invite a friend, that's how I want them to be treated. I want them to be treated in such a way that they want to come back again and again until the love of God that's out becomes such a part of their DNA that they can't deny. But now let me ask you another question. Is that how you treat people? Well, when they come, do you do that for others? See, it's so easy to have an imagination of what we want people to do for our friends. But I want to say what you sow, you reap. Do you do it for other people's friends? And sometimes there's a stretching in our heart. And I want to just address the elephant in the room right now that there's some people that I know you're sitting there and you're thinking, that's just not me. Pastor Phil, you don't understand. I am so awkward. That is so hard and that is so difficult. I have great news for you. In the next few weeks coming up, watch this space. We are actually going to do a rapport building class on a Sunday night. We're going to gather people in and we're going to say, hey, come. We're going to maybe even put it online and we're going to take some time and talk about how do you build rapport? How did Jesus walk into a room and build rapport? How did Jesus walk to fishermen when he wasn't a fisherman and get them to follow him? How did Jesus walk to the woman at the well at Samaria and talk to her in such a way that she went off and told everybody about him. I want to get a group of people together that build rapport, that make people feel so loved, so accepted, and so valued. And I'm not even off my first point. So to be large, we first of all have to stretch ourselves. We have to get to a point where we're believing God that we can be stretched and used by God to make someone feel welcome and happy in this house. All right, let me go to point number two. Here we go, point number two. We don't just want to be large, we want to be healthy. And I'm just recapping here. And last week he said, strengthen your stakes. And we talked about, we're digging down. Dig down a little bit. Put those stakes into the ground. And we said, we've got to dig down into the Word of God. The Word of God ought to be your strengthener. It ought to be what you hang on to in tough times when the storms of life come. You want to know your Word. So many times people say to me things like, you know, oh, I'm believing God for healing. And I always get this. I kind of go, really, what are you believing? What scripture are you standing on? Where are you standing in the scriptures? What have you dug into? Because the wind of adversity is going to go, but what is your stake into? You're lengthening out, you're stretching out, but what have you put your stake into? And I want to say you need to put your stake into the Word of God. I want to encourage you to spend time reading and feeding and filling yourself up on the Word of God. The second thing, get to know His love. Get to know who He is in your life. You know, some of us, I think we have this ticker box mentality and we kind of, yes, I went to church and yes, I read my Bible and yes, I prayed and yes, I worshiped and we tick all the right boxes and then we just hope everything will be okay. But I want to say to you this morning that some of us need to just pause. It's not about ticking a box, it's about connecting with Christ and knowing that he loves me, spending that time to just sit, just spend time, just slow down. 
and know. Know that he loves you. He's not angry with you. He's not out to get you. He's not frustrated with you. Now, I, I want to share a little story. A few weeks ago, uh, my son finishes often at around 6 o'clock in the morning at his overnight shift. And I kind of get out of bed, and I can't wait to talk to my son. He has a 30-minute drive while he goes home to see his new wife. And, and so I kind of get there, and I wait with bated breath because it's our 30 minutes of conversation. We talk about the things of the Lord. We talk about leadership and church and all those kind of things. And the other day, I rang him, and he didn't answer me. And I'm sitting there, and, I'm, and I want to get this through to you this morning because you know what? I didn't sit there getting angry. I didn't sit there thinking, well, you know, I want to talk to him and he didn't want to talk to me. So now when he wants to talk to me, I'm not going to talk to him. Do you know what I sat there? I sat there as a father longing for a relationship with my son. And I want to say to you, that's your heavenly father. He doesn't sit there mad. You know, well, I invited him to come and talk to me and he didn't talk to me. So now, and, and I got to be honest, I used to think that God was that way. I used to think, oh, yes, please. Thanks. Zach's bringing me a bottle of water. I used to think that sometimes God treated people like that. Thank you so much. And I want to say to you, that's not how he treats you. That's not how he wants to talk to you. He longs for a relationship with you. He longs for that intimate time. And I want to encourage you this morning. Let your love, let, let sorry, your roots, your stakes, go down into his love. You know, when the winds of adversity blow, and they will blow, there will be tough times and challenging times. But you know one thing that my stake is in and it's never shaken? My God loves me. It's never shaken. I might have back pain. I might have knee pain. I might have problems with my family. I might go through difficult times. My finances might look tough sometimes. But you know one thing that never is ever shaken is my God always loves me. And it's that conviction that holds me strong through those times. So I want to say to you, number one, dig your stake into the word. Number two, dig your stake into his love. Number three, be a part of something bigger than yourself. Because he said, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes. You know what stakes do? They bind together, they work together to hold the tent in place. And we said last week that, you know, when the, when the winds of adversity are blowing against the body of Christ, and I feel like right now in our nation, the winds of adversity are blowing against the body of Christ. Right now in our nation, there seems to be this overwhelming thing through the media and through different government legislation where people are kind of getting rattled and we don't know what good church has got in store. But I want to say as we come together, we strengthen our stakes. As we stand together side by side, we hold things in place. You know, there's a power when the body of Christ comes together and prays. There's a power when the body of Christ stands together as one and stands and holds their ground and says, I know God loves me, I know his word, and I'm standing strong on these truths. I want to encourage you to stand strong together. Be a part of something bigger than just yourself. All right, here we go, third point. Oh, I hope you're still following along this morning. The third point is this. Ready? We don't just want to be large. We don't want to be just healthy. We also want to be vibrant. And I love the way the definition of vibrancy comes out, energetic, exciting, full of enthusiasm. I want to say to everyone at home, why don't you just say full of enthusiasm? I don't know, who feels weird saying it at home? Full of enthusiasm. But the truth is vibrant people are full of enthusiasm. I love the fact it says that they cause feelings of happiness and enthusiasm. Do you know, church, when we gather together, we should be so full of enthusiasm. 
so full of excitement that we cause other people to feel happiness and enthusiasm. We should be so happy and full of excitement ourselves that when other people come in, they kind of look at us and they go, I don't know what they're on, but I want what they're on. I don't know what they're doing, but I want some of that. And some of us, it's like when we got baptized, we got baptized in lemon juice. It's like we kind of feel like to be holy, we've got to be really hardline. We've got to kind of feel like to be holy, we cannot smile or have a joke or a laugh. And that's just not a scripture. That's not biblical, okay? It doesn't say, blessed are the sour pusses, okay? It doesn't say it. I want to get this through to you. But blessed means to be happy, to be joyful, to step out in all that God has for you. And I want to say we want to be vibrant. Actually, let me give you some antonyms, some opposites of vibrancy. Are you ready? Apathetic. If you see somebody who's apathetic, that's the opposite of vibrant. Dull. You know those people you meet and they're just dull, and you, th- you look at them sometimes and you think, man, why would you want me to come to know a God if I have to be like you? Or, or lethargic, lifeless. And here's my, here's my least favorite or favorite antonym, if that makes sense, dispirited. Dispirited. The actual antonym for vibrant is actually dispirited. Dispirited. I want you to hear that this morning because this is a Latin word and it means Without to have none of. And so to be dispirited means that we should have no spirit in us, no life in us, and we ought to be the first from that. We are full of life and full of His Spirit. If you are born again, if you have been filled with the Spirit of God, if you have asked Jesus to come into your heart and to make you born again, you ought to be the most vibrant, energetic, enthusiastic person around. Everybody is drawn to somebody. And I don't mean not be yourself, but I mean in your own way, in your own personality, be enthusiastic, be happy, be passionate. We want to create a house where when people come, they go, man, I just love going there because it's exciting. And it's fun. And I believe God's doing something. And when we catch up, when we meet together, when we come together, it's like the presence of God just comes and he settles and he reseats us and he, he burns something inside of us and he helps us to be more vibrant and more energetic. And so I want to just encourage you with that. Listen to what Isaiah says in Isaiah 54 verse 1. And he says, sing, sing. You ready? I'm just going to say it again. Sing, sing, O barren. You who have not born, break forth into singing and cry aloud. You who have not labored with child. You know, listen to what he says. Sing. And notice this. He says, sing first, grow second. We can't, anybody can praise God when everything's going well. Anybody can praise God when their house is paid off, when their marriage is great, when their family's going well. But you know what men and women of faith do is they know how to sing before they see the breakthrough. And this isn't just about church. This isn't just about bringing people into church. This is about your business, about your marriage, about your family, your finance, your kids, whatever it is. Sing over them. Declare it. Praise it. Pray it over them. Believe God for great things. Be enthusiastic and energetic in believing that your God is a God of the breakthrough. He is a God of more. You know, his name is El Shaddai. He is a God of more than enough, not just enough. He doesn't just make my portion. In fact, Psalms 23 says, my cup runs over. He prepares a bountiful table for me in the presence of my enemies and my cup runs over. There's more than enough when I'm hanging out with God. That's not just enough. It's not just going to make it. And I think sometimes we've got to start to sing first and see the breakthrough second. Can I find that in Scripture? Yes. 
One of my favorite scriptures is found in Acts chapter 16. I know I've said this scripture so many times in the house, but I'm going to say it again. Acts chapter 16. Let me give you a bit of background to the story. Paul and Silas, they're going around, they're ministering. And one day there's a whole crowd that rises up against them and they beat them. They literally beat them with rods. They open their flesh by beating them with rods and they commit them to the jailer's charge and they say, put them into the most inner portion of the prison. And as they put them into the innermost portion of the prison, the Bible says at midnight, verse 25, but at midnight, what a dark time. The yesterday spent, tomorrow hasn't come at midnight. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. Paul and Silas were praying. Paul and Silas were singing hymns. Paul and Silas were believing God for breakthrough. And the Bible says in the next verse that the ground was shaken. There was an earthquake and the jail doors flung open and the chains fell off. I want to say we sing first, we see breakthrough second. Everyone say, come on, we sing first, we pray first, we praise God first, we preach it first, we speak it first, we have the breakthrough second. Some of you are waiting, and this is a problem, some of you are waiting for God to do something before you start praising Him. I'm telling you, you start praising Him, then God will do something. And let me just share that with you. Mark 11, 23 and 24, Jesus says, whatsoever you say, when you believe in your heart, you've received them, you shall have whatsoever things you say. No, no, not just, not just, you know, whatever good things you say. If you're going around, you're talking negative all the time, that's what you're going to end up with. I want to tell you this morning, there's this power in being vibrant, energetic, enthusiastic. It lifts your level of expectation. You're looking for God to do something good. You may never have born a child, but you're believing that God will bring more children in than those who have been married. You may never have seen a single person get saved under your ministry. You may see yourself as fruitless and lifeless and barren, but I want to say to you this morning, when we begin to sing, God is going to do more, more for you you than ever before, more when we believe that God's going to break through on our left and our right. He's going to do something fantastic for you, but I want to encourage you to start singing first and seeing second. Sing first, see second. All right, let me keep going. You ready? Number one, large. Number two, healthy. Number three, vibrant. Number four, family. And just take a minute and let that sink in. Family. Family, is there anything in this world that matters more than family? Is there anything under more attack right now than family? Right now you're at home. Why? Because I believe the enemy is doing his damnedest to stop family gathering. And I'm going to say to your church, listen, you know, we, are, we want to be honoring our government. We, we, right now, this is just a season. We're going to go through this. It's going to be okay. But I want to encourage you, when you can meet, do meet. You know, sometimes we're pushing back and it's like, oh no, look what the government's doing to us. Look what the devil's doing to us. Listen, when you can meet, some people aren't even here. I want to say to you, that's, you're not part of the church when you're not here. You're watching a service online. But there's a power when the family gather together for the dinner. There's a power when the family gather together to see what Christ is doing in each other's life. Don't just watch a family dinner on TV, but be a part of the actual family itself. I want to say to you this morning, church, we want to be family here. Family, family. Family is trying to be eroded in every area and aspect of our lives. But here, right now at JC, we want to push in. 
We want to be family. We want to connect with each other. We want to lift each other up. We are family in this place. Can I tell you something weird that I see? You know, my daughter, Rebecca, doesn't ring me to go, hey, Dad, I'm just wondering how Sam's going. I haven't seen him for a while. I would think that was a weird thing. I would tell her to ring Sam and find out. And if Sam rang me and said, hey, Dad, I haven't seen Beck. What's she been doing? You know, how is she? I'd tell him, go and find You know what? Nobody rings Dad to ask how the family's going. They ring each other. Let me say that again because I think the penny's going to drop this morning for some people. Part of being a family is stretching out and having care and compassion on one another. It's not Dad's job to chase around every single child. It's Dad's job to encourage you to be family and to gather together. It's dad's job to sometimes step in and break up the fights with the siblings. It's dad's job to help people think differently about each other. That's dad's job. But it's not dad's job to report back to each other how everybody else is going. That's your job. You gather. You are family. Everyone say, I know you're at home and it probably feels weird, but I want you to say family. Family matters. More are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman. It's family that forms a foundation for society, not just physical family. You can't choose them. But when you come to church, when you belong to God's family, you are invited to be a part of a different family. Not just a family that was done when mum and dad came together. Not just a family with brothers and sisters or half-brothers and sisters that you don't know and you don't get on with, but a family that has the one dad, our father in heaven. And we gather together and we say, man, you're family to me. You are washed in the blood of Jesus. And I don't see your faults, I see family. I don't see your faults, I see family. And I want to love you like that. I want you guys to see each other like that, to love each other. Imagine what it would look like. When we gather together, you know, it's only just a little while. I don't know how long we're in lockdown. It's only three days this time. But what would it look like when we gather together and we look at each other and we say, you're family. You matter to me. We have the same dad and the same spirit that birthed me, birthed you. We are family together. I want to encourage you to be a part of a family. At JC Family, we encourage you to be part of a connect group, to be part of a department. Why? Because family is made up of all those smaller parts. The body of Christ is made up of all the parts working together. And so when you're feeling disconnected, when you're feeling isolated, pick up the phone. Call somebody. It's that simple. Call somebody. Say, hey, would you pray for me? Jonathan, would you pray for me? Ben, would you believe God for great things? Carol, would you call me up and give me a call back? Would you gather together and pray for one another? Would you go the other way? Would you ring somebody and say, hey, God just put me you on my heart. I want to pray for you. Hey, God's been putting me on your heart all day. I just want to pray for you. I want to bless you. I want to tell you that I've been praying for you and that I love you. That's how family stands strong. And lastly, I want to finish with this thought. We are, we are a church. Large healthy, vibrant family church. We're not a club. We're not an organization. We're the body of Christ here on this earth. We are the carriers of hope into our communities. And do you know what I notice? And this breaks my heart. Some of us are more committed to clubs and organizations, more committed to soccer clubs and golf mornings and morning teas with other people than they are to the body of Christ. And I just... Man, 
Change your perception. Take another look. Church matters. You matter to God. You matter to somebody here. Gather and love one another. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. We hope you enjoyed the service. We are praying for you and we will see you next week.